Welcome to the Growing Together podcast, a show for inspiring conversation and practical steps to help your church become the church where all generations thrive. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and today my guest is Dr. Heather Thompson-Dane. She's an interdenominational speaker whose work has been featured in Newsweek, The Today Show, and BBC Radio Live. The author of seven books, including It's Not Your Turn and Confessions of a Christian Wife. Dr. Day currently works as an associate professor of communication at Colorado Christian University. So I'm really curious to see how you've observed young people kind of shifting in values and communication styles. You have a really unique perspective working in a university, like shoulder to shoulder with, well, I guess not shoulder to shoulder with COVID, but eyeball to eyeball through a Zoom screen uh, with young people all the time now. I'm curious to see what have you noticed been shifting and what are the trends that are changing with young adults today? I think a big difference that I notice in comparison to even millennials, my generation between millennials and Gen Z is Gen Z has a deep desire to participate. And that goes through, that's just one of their core values. If they aren't participating, it's of no value to them. And even for myself, you know, let's just use it in the church context growing up, I loved a program. I loved programming. I wanted to come and just sit and watch your program and say, wow, this was so good. And the better the program, the more likely I was to come. And with this generation, the program doesn't seem to matter as much as whether or not they can participate. So it can be, it's not about doing it excellent. It's about doing it together and whether or not I do it with you and then they'll show up. So it's a total reorientation of my brain. That's that's really cool. I like that. That already like to to a piece of me. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. I want to do stuff together as well. But this is gonna be a huge challenge for church culture because church right now it's it's a pro, especially with the church online. All it is is a program. So when they're thinking about their involvement with spiritual things, like it, it, there must be a disconnect there, right? Well, what I think is so. Here's an example. Just today. I just got out of my social media class and they're doing uh, social media for a church client, which happens to be my church, right? And so we're creating um, online content and programming for young adults. And we haven't done a physical meet yet because of COVID and all this stuff. And so we have a bunch of excuses, things are busy. And they were like, these are non-Adventists by the way. And they were like, well, can, can we do it? Can we just put on the program? give us the ball. And I was like, well, you know, it's just hard right now because it's hot and people, and they're like, no, like we just need to be doing something. Like they were like, Dr. Day, what are we doing? You know? And so that's how they think is let me, if, oh, you're too busy. Let me do it for you. And again, it doesn't have to be perfect. We don't care if it's not like the best musicians up there. Mm-hmm. I just want my roommate to get a chance to try that's, that's a really hard shift because, you know, like we think of like, oh, it needs to be the best music, the best sermons, the best film, the blank. And, and to shift from like, no, we're just going to do things like that's got to be super sky. I mean, imagine it's specifically for your church. You have a church that's trusting or I don't know if you guys actually end up giving them the ball, but these are non-Adventists, non-committed young adults. And I think that a lot of churches around the, the, the country are thinking, yeah, but you don't have my kind of young adults. If we had the superstar young adults that are at the big church down the street, then yeah, it's going to be super super easy to give them the keys. But in my church, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen if they get up on stage and if they, they, they get the microphone. And the truth is, what would you say for yourself? Why are you a committed Christian? Because you do things. Hmm. right? And so 
I am having to reorient my thought process and allow them to do things. So for example, at ours, it's called Re-Envision Church and we've been doing it on Saturday nights once a month, but now we haven't since COVID and they want to start doing it again. Yeah. And we had up to a hundred non-Adventists showing up and it wasn't that they were showing up <laughs> to hear me speak. Wow. It's that I was letting them speak. It's all about empowering them. And what happens when I let you speak is you're going to post it on your Instagram story and you're going to invite 50 of your friends because wow. you're, and so I just, I am personally really wanting the church to see things differently and, and allow young people to try things their way, even if it's not perfect, because the reality is we're, we're struggling to get people in the door. So if we are allowing them to do it and they're bringing a hundred of their friends, what, what is wrong with us that we would start capping that, hmm. you know, and not letting them run with it. So I told them, you know what, let's talk about that next week. And if you guys want to plan the event, I mean, why do they want to plan my church event? It actually doesn't even make sense. But I think the difference is for a lot of them, they're at these big mega churches, Sunday hmm. churches. And so they can't. Oh, so when they see this opportunity, they want to do it. That, that, that's so interesting because then it shifts like the mentality of what kind of churches have the advantage compared to other churches. We don't have the million dollar facility. We don't have the eight superstar pastoral team. We're just a tiny little church. But what, what I think you're saying is the smaller church might actually have the leg up because you can actually hand the keys over to a team. A really great book I read this last spring during COVID is called New Power. And it's about how we have always traditionally in the United States had like a top power down system. But this new generation, Generation Z and millennials are all for new power. They're all for grassroots movements. And there's no such thing as a leader. There's a movement, right? So you don't need the celebrity pastor. And in fact, the celebrity pastor is a hindrance to a grassroots movement, which is organized around a belief. And so how do we as a church get young people to be excited about the gospel or the belief system that we can share so much so that they take ownership of it? And you see that with things like Me Too. Who's the leader of the Me Too movement? The reason it's so successful, mm. Toronto Burke, figuratively, but, the, but even Toronto Burke, she found out about the Me Too movement after she had already been doing Me Too for years and years and years, right? right. So it's like, why it worked was because everybody felt like this is my story to tell. And they started sharing it with their friends and then their friends with their friends. And so how I really believe if we are going to be a church that God is going to use in the last days, we have got to figure this out, empowering young people to take the keys and drive the car themselves. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Just get in the car and we're going to drive. Around. I mean, think this is what we do. Yeah. We film everything on this. Yeah. 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 And then we think that we have to have all this million dollar stuff for church. Well, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a team of young adults, not even the young adults who are like members at your church come up to you and say, Hey, we can do this. Like, let's, let's go. What are we doing? I'm guessing that there's kind of a process that you need to take it through. I don't know. Cause, cause you have a unique relationship to your pastor. <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, and I'm guessing that, you know, what is the, the, the kind of the, the red tape that you have to, you know, go through in order to make sure that everything's above board. So what's the process look like for, for someone like you who says, you know what? Yes, young people, let's do things together. How do we go about interacting with the rest of the church body to make sure that people don't really get really upset afterwards? 
So I have, and that's absolutely a valid point because I can just think of an example from a past revision we did where somebody, you have to know what you're walking into for people to not get upset. Um, but so I have always done independent ministry on every single campus I've ever been on, regardless of whether it's Christian. Go ahead. Now, real quick, just because just I made a joke. You and I know the joke, but the listeners not, might not know the joke. What's your relationship to your pastor? Oh, so I'm married to him. My pastor <laughs> okay. is my husband. Right? So he actually is super passionate about young adult and youth ministry. And he loves letting young people. When we do re-envision, we're not speaking. My husband doesn't preach. It, we let them preach. They bring their friends. We let them do intro. We let them do special music. And it's been fantastic. And it works. Um, yeah. So I think I've always done independent ministry. And so I'm the type of person that says like, hey, if the local church isn't going to let you, don't let the I on my secular campus, then we took a classroom. Mm. And we started, I mean, just figure out who do I talk to at this building that's already operating and I'm not having to pay them for it. How can we use this classroom and just turn it into a little Bible study or worship that is organized by young people? I think, and can I say this too? People say to me all the time, you don't understand. We don't have young people at our church. We, I came to a, to a dying church. We didn't have any young people at our church. I went on Twitter mm. and I looked for young people in Denver and that's how I found my music team. Wow. Use social media, hashtag Denver, hashtag Christian, see what comes up. And then always you can look at the college in the area and set up a booth and catch people as they walk by. You know, you know, some of the most meaningful, uh, I guess, like spiritual communities that I had growing up were almost always outside of the traditional four walls. It was the group that met on Tuesday at my friend's house. It was a group that went rock climbing on Thursday evenings together. Like it was always like those more intimate and more personal groups that seemed to make the difference. And I'm just I'm not just saying like communally, I, I actually mean like spiritually, like it was the most healthy for my spiritual experience. Um but I, I know that doing ministries like this, like the one that you just described, a lot of times people will have kind of criticisms like, well, why would you bring them to that Bible study? That's not a church sanctioned Bible study. People get upset that you're doing, you're, you're in, a, in essence taking young people away from the church, even though, like you just said, the church had no young people to begin with. But, but this is a common like modality of thinking. And all we're trying to do is just empower young people to give them the reins, to give them the ability to say, no, church is something that's mine as well. 100%. And I think anybody who actually understands church politics and how it works knows the conversation that you just delineated where, yeah, people want you to be on their campus. And I say, great, but then you have to be a place where they can come as they are and do what they want to do. And if we start saying the second, especially with people who don't understand what church is, the second that you start putting all these conditions on what their worship has to look like, why would they not go somewhere else? So I think we just need to do a better job of saying to our congregations, this may not be for you. This is for the community. So you do not have to come, but we are going to do this empowering the community and we're going to do our best. And there may be things that make you uncomfortable, but let's learn and grow together. Mm, that's super good. That's super good. Uh, last thing I wanted to ch get you to chime in, if you're willing, you, you talked about you going on Twitter and finding the local young people in Denver. Um, you have an awesome Twitter profile ministry. Not sure how you interpret it. I, I view it as both of those things. It's 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 a great feed to be uh, to be following. 
I'm, I'm, I'm curious how you see the impact of social media and communication and community development and how that will relate to the future church bodies that are being established. Well, I think social media is a big reason why we have this participatory culture because people now, I don't just watch the debates. I watch and I live tweet the debates. I always get a say in what is happening around me. And then we want young people to come sit in our churches and say nothing. It just doesn't make sense with the way even communication operates now yeah. in our generation and in our culture. So I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest ways social media has changed culture is that it's a participatory culture now. Um, it's not just fans. Everybody wants to be involved. And this um, is a good change. Like this is the type of change we've wanted in church for, for decades. We've always said we want young people to be involved. We just maybe weren't willing to actually do what it would require to get them involved. And I think it doesn't fit necessarily with the program mindset, mm -hmm. right? It's not about then having the big, large groups that are watching a select few handful of people. What is every young people? You know what? I have noticed this teaching in Christian higher ed. Every young person that tells some story about their big conversion experience, it is always at summer camp. And that's <laughs> it is. It's like this thing about church summer camp. And I thought, oh my goodness, my life changed at church summer camp. Why? Because for the first time, you have responsibility. Hmm. And you are the one that's giving the Bible study to your cabin or your 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 kids that you're in charge of. And all of a sudden, I'm not watching, I'm doing. And I'm telling you every single time in public speaking, I, that's a class I teach. If I tell them, tell me when you met God, I would say 70 to 80% of the time, it's at summer camp. Wow. We got to double the budget powerful. for summer camp. This is, I am a believer. It's a powerful experience for young people. And it's because it's the only place that they are ever truly empowered within the church context. And you guys, this is sad. Hmm. We give you a summer and we want that summer to transform your life and, and stick with you forever and ever. It's like, how do we take summer camp to church every single week? And that's what we have to figure out. Yeah. So, so what have you stumbled along, along the way? Not to say that your church has it all laid out perfectly, I'm guessing, but trying to connect all these worlds, the Twitter participatory world to the summer camp transformational world to your local church. What do you, what do you guys experiment with, experimenting with moving forward? What do you want to see in the church as, as the years come on? That's what we're, we're trying to re-envision what church looks like for young people and trying to use this total participatory method where you're not relying, where there's a rotation. We're not relying on the same person every week to do music. It doesn't matter if you sound great. We just want you to get a chance getting up there. That, that's what we're, we're trying right now. And it has, COVID has definitely slowed us down. And so I think social media is becoming even more important. And I'll say, I have had at least probably five people in the last year send me a message and say that they started going back to their local church because of my Twitter. So I am a huge believer that social media has to be used by the church and it has to be used in an authentic way, right? So how, and, and, and the best way to do that is probably to let young people start operating the medium by which they grew up and developed in, right? So I just think all these things are gonna come together. And I think I, I have so many students too that say, they didn't understand church community until they got online. The, the local church in their area was never a community that they felt like they were safe being a part of. And so they felt like, oh, well, that's just church. 
And then they got online and they found apps like Twitter. And it was like, oh my goodness, there's all these people who think just like I do and they love God. And so it doesn't mean that I have to leave church if I don't see things that way. I can be church, right? And I can create space that I'm passionate about and serve God in my own unique way. And so I'm grateful to social media for that.